Hi, I'm Todd Nathanson. And I'm Lena Morgan. And guess what? Today in the studio, we have nobody. It is just the two of us for the first time in like a year. It's been almost a full year. I figured we could do this one solo. I'm tired of booking guests. We're never having a guest again. We're probably having guests again. Oh. But, I actually was very nervous and did a lot of preparation because I was so <laughs> used to having somebody else to ask questions of. I mean, you can ask what questions of What do you me. think about this? <laughs> no, I figured... Qu- quietly eats bowl of sadness. <laughs> I figured we could do this one solo because... This is, uh, I feel like this is close to something you, specifically, you, my co-host, Lena, have been wanting to do for the dawn of time. Maybe not this particular matchup. I don't want to call it a bone of contention. However, you pitched this as my idea. And I want to be very clear that I suggested, I, I don't even remember them now. I suggested a lot of possibilities for songs to go against Mr. Blue Sky. Mm-hmm. You contacted me and said, if you want to do this, it's against Band on the Run. And I said, whatever, fine. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care as long as I get to talk about Mr. Blue Sky. That, yep. That's all that mattered to me. Well, that, well um, there you go. That, that, is our, uh, that is our matchup today. Two big 70s prog rock, prog-ish, I don't know, multi-suite. If you have more than one part of a song, it's prog rock to me. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that in due course. I saw somebody in the in the comments say that ELO is not prog rock, and I am going to push up my glasses and well, actually, the shit out of that. <laughs> uh, sorry, sorry. Uh, people are allowed to have different opinions, but I'll say why I consider them to be prog rock you know, at some uh, point in this episode. That's funny, because uh, in my YouTube video, I, I was discussing the band Klaatu, who are a very ELO-ish band, and they were saying, like, we never considered ourselves prog rock. Because we didn't didn't consider ourselves rock, so there you go. And I feel like if ELO is not prog rock, it is on those terms. Sure, I'll right. I'll will circle back to it. All right, let's kick this off. Who is your favorite Beatle, Paul McCartney or Jeff Lynne? Uh, Jeff Lynne of ELO. My yes, favorite I, yes, we yes we. Are. Oh, is that who your favorite Beatle is? No, my favorite I, is Paul. Of, oh, okay. of the four and the unofficial fifth Beatle, Jeff Lynne. Wow. He, he has no connection to the Beatles. I'm kidding. But So you love Beatle Ed. That's your favorite. Beatle Ed? You love, you love Beatle Ed. So uh, that's What's a, the- boy, that's a deep ass dive. So when, um, when John Lennon was recording Imagine, mm-hmm. they sort of like were filming a lot of stuff around where he was living at the time and mm-hmm. what was happening in his life. And there's a point in which George Harrison comes to visit and they're hanging around in the kitchen. And I can't remember which one of them says like, oh, have you heard from Beetle Ed? And they're referring to Paul, who I guess they had just started calling Beetle Ed because, you know, they weren't all getting along in the 70s. I don't know if anyone had ever heard that. But all uh, the Beatles did not love each other in the 1970s. It wasn't a decade of, of mutual love amongst all four of them all of the time. Well, that's uh, I'm sure they were having issues. I'm not sure that explains Beatle Ed. I does it does it listen? When do the Beatles make sense? <laughs> do you ever I you know, anyway, here's the thing. Uh. My favorite Beatle is, I don't even know anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't care. <laughs> I, I cared a lot about this in high school, and I don't, I used to really hate Paul McCartney because I was a big John Lennon fan. And now looking back on that, I think that's very silly. And I don't care at all. 
I don't know. Like when I was first asked that question, my answer was George because I don't know. It just seemed the the coolest one of them. Like the dark horse, the the, the history's choice. Well, they all have a an identity, right? Like yeah. John was the married one, Paul was the cute one, Ringo was the funny one, and George was the put upon, just give him a fucking chance, Jesus Christ one. Yeah. And, then, and so, of course, everyone liked George because he was the underdog. Yeah. Eventually, I realized that, uh, who am I kidding? I'm not cool, and nothing I like is cool. My favorite is Paul. The, so that being said. Yeah. Did you see the thing is going in, you knew where I was going to land. Yes. Yes, I did. Did you did you as a result pick band on the run? You know, I have not voted. Here's the thing. When I picked this matchup, I thought, absolutely. I'm going to pick ELO because I I love that song and who doesn't. But when I came down to actually vote, I kind of hesitated and I still haven't because I'm a little sick of Mr. Blue Sky. I'll be honest. I am a little tired of it. When, when I was pitching things at you, it was like you wanted Bohemian Rhapsody. And I was like, no, that's way too big for Mr. Blue Sky. Like, it'll, it'll crush it. It's way too much more important, much bigger than Mr. Blue Sky. And now I'm kind of like double guessing myself because I'm like, man, Mr. Blue Sky is fucking everywhere. It, it is, is ubiquitous. Yeah. That it's wasn't funny. the case when it I wasn't. first got into Mr. Uh, when I first heard this song, it was not like this giant overwhelming thing. It was like one of like five different ELO songs that could compete for the title of the ELO song. It was up there with Evil Woman, with Do Ya, with um, Don't Bring Me Down. Yep. T- telephone line. Telephone line would not be in the running. It is one of my get fav- the f- get out of Dodge. That song's great. No, no, that song is great. It's one of my favorites. I'm just saying it's not like the song the way all those other ones I mentioned were. I'll tell you, I you know what? I I read a lot of lists of people ranking top songs and it tended to show up. So maybe I'm sure it, it, I mean, it would again, certainly be in the top 10. Absolutely. Uh, all right. I'm so I'm not sure it'd make the top five, though. That's fair. I, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up. The um, the sort of long arm of history on mm-hmm. Mr. Blue Sky, just because. It, yeah, it is ubiquitous now. And I feel like the moment that I felt the turn was when I saw it appear in the trailer for Eternal Sunshine and the, and the Spotless Mine. That is the first moment I really remember hearing it. And um, it was just a song on the on the soundtrack, which it was I, in I, the trailer. trailer. Yeah. And I was like, I don't think I it was actually song. in the movie. Yeah, I'd heard it before. And I was like, but I, that was the first moment I noticed it. And it was like, hey, I know that song. And it's like, hey, actually, I really like this song. And I'm going to adopt it as part of my identity in this, the year 2004. I, and, heard, it, I heard it way before this. This is, yeah. it's always so interesting to me. This is a song that just like uh, a lot of um, the the bands that I got into that were 60s bands and 70s bands, I learned through my father. We came into a little bit of money. This is true. This is like such a dumb thing. We came into a little bit of money when I was like 12 years old. And we bought a new TV and we bought a new sound system and we got a new record player with it. And he pulled out all his records from the basement. And one of the albums that he pulled out was out of the blue. Mm -hmm. And I remember listening to that thing front to front to back and just thinking this rules. I remember him uh, playing me uh, face the music also, which just starts on this absolutely like unreal, like sounds like it belongs in Fantasia kind of tune and um is that what's fire something yeah 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 yeah. um i i don't take notes so of course i don't have it down but 
Um, fire on that high. Was the, fire on high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was how I had first heard Mr. Blue Sky. And yes, of course, I think it was the standout track to me. I was pretty young. And it just was poppy and happy and had all so many layers. And uh, yeah, and I just loved it from that point on. So when it suddenly became the song that everybody knew, it was weird. Because I felt like I was like the only person in my age group that had this intense love for Jeff Lynne and Electric, Electric Light Orchestra. And then all of a sudden, everybody knew this song. See, I knew it before it was cool and then not cool and then cool again and then not cool again or wherever we are. Yeah, it's weird because... The prog, the prog rock people are very intense about their prog rock, but ELO is the only one who is, I think, really gone out of those circles to like the mainstream, or has like stayed in the mainstream instead of being well, like this the... weird thing that weird people like. like sure. You don't see this so... for Yes or Genesis or the Moody Blues or anything like that. The argument, the question is: Electric Light Orchestra, prog. The answer is. They were, and then they got progressively less proggy. <laughs> progressively as, less progressive. Yes, as time wore on. Uh, and then by the end, I would say pretty much not at all. But basically, it means the more that Jeff Lynn had control of things, the more he was the driving force, mm-hmm. the less progressive it became. But I would say that even there are even things on Out of the Blue, just the fact that the um, third side of the the double record when it came out is just in and of itself a has a whole title called concerto for a rainy day (sighs) that if that doesn't say prog rock to you i don't know what does like to me that really does it you know that these songs are all cohesive that um if you listen to the way that it starts there's just a lot of vocoder and not a lot of singing and it's just it's all sweeping movements and weird shit and it just seems unquestionable to me that if you're looking at the concerto as a whole, that is proggy in my mind. Whether or not Mr. Blue Sky itself sounds that way, uh, maybe not. But it's still a part of the. It's still a part of it, so I think it counts. I don't know. I feel like Mr. Blue Sky is like, except for like something with the name like concerto, it is their their proggiest hit at the very least. It has many sweets. I don't know. Sweets is not the word. I'm sorry, but I don't know. Like the the prog rock kids are gonna destroy me listening to this. I feel like if it has parts. It has recognizable separate parts. It's at least in the conversation. Actually, no, now that I say that, because we're putting against Band on the Run, and Band on the Run is definitely not a prog rock song. Yeah, so uh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm saying to you. You're right. I don't, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. I, I think if you count, if you look at Mr. Blue Sky and you say, okay, um, Standing in the Rain, Big Wheels, uh, Summer Lighten, and Mr. Blue Sky are all one thing, that's prog rock. If it's just mm. Mr. Blue Sky, it's iffy. Band on the Run, absolutely not. Band on the Run no. is not prog no, rock. That's a, not in the slightest. I think you could make a case that a day in the life, if if it isn't prog rock, it is the one of the key elements that created prog rock. But Band on the Run, no. That's just a regular rock song with with separate parts. I don't know. There's no no orchestra in it, I guess. No orchestra, not a thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just... Okay. So... I I kind of want to talk about Band on the Run just because when we closed the last episode, which you should check out, it's available wherever you get your podcasts, um, wherever you got this episode, you can go back and listen to that one. Uh, I said Band on the Run sucks. You are I hate incorrect. Band on the Run. You are incorrect and again. 
Okay. Uh, so you, you actually love Band on the Run. I, I, I'll <laughs> tell you what. So here's, this is the honest truth. Knowing that it was just going to be you and me mm-hmm. with no third person, it felt weird to say, you know what, I'm just going to clown on Paul McCartney for an hour plus, as these episodes tend to be. Feels mm-hmm. really obnoxious. Feels like what what few listeners that tolerate me will finally be gone. I don't want to do that. So I sat down and listened to the whole album and and kind of, you know, researched the state of Paul McCartney and Wings. And gosh, I got to tell you... um, we we can talk about the history of Mr. Blue Sky, but the history of Band on the Run is way more interesting. Like it if we're really just talking as, as far as history lessons are concerned, like if that's if that's the question, if that's the debate, man, Band on the Run is a banger. What a wild story! So where I mean, where do you even begin? So okay, let, let's take it all the way back. Paul McCartney, he was part of this band called the Beatles, and they broke up in like 1970. Uh, they were they were a, a band of some repute. Uh, I believe the term is the most important band in rock and roll history. Whether or not that's true, it's still a thing that I think people said for a very long time. In 2021, I don't know if people still say that, but it certainly was the truism when I was growing up, which was some time later. They split up, but it was a secret. Shh. John and Paul had taken a meeting. I think it was at Apple Studios. And they basically were like, John, I think, was the one that was like, I'm done. I'm breaking up with you. Uh, And John's lawyer basically convinced him and Paul to not talk about it. So they didn't. And Paul went off and was really depressed. He went to, he had like a farm in Scotland. And him and his wife, Linda, they went there. And some point, like someone from like Time Magazine came and interviewed him and he like punched somebody in the face. And he kind of mentioned in passing that the Beatles were not really a thing anymore. But it, for some reason, it didn't get a lot of press. And then he put out his own album, uh, which I, I don't know if people call it McCartney One now or what, but it I mean, was called McCartney whole, at the time. He has that whole thing on Hulu, McCartney 321. So I, I think it's I think it's officially McCartney One now if it wasn't before. Sure. So he put out he puts out McCartney one. Um, it's recorded on a four track. It's all him, a little bit of Linda, you know, but like really it's just him working through some stuff. I think Abby wrote had come out and I believe the deal was that this thing came out that McCartney one basically came out like same time as let it be. People were pissed and he admitted to the fact that the Beatles were not together at that time. And what happened was through a mixture of supposedly this woman who worked at the Rolling Stone at Rolling Stone magazine and John Lennon and her being close with him and just general shape of the press. It suddenly became Paul's fault. It wasn't Yoko's fault anymore that the band was over. <laughs> now it was Paul's fault. And isn't Paul this vindictive monster that he released his album at the same time as Let It Be? It feels like a giant middle finger to all his former friends. Wow, what an asshole. And then from that point on, that really became the meme. And his that album got dragged and people didn't respect him. And in the same year, the same year that McCartney One came out and Let It Be came out, two other albums came out. Oh, it was like, didn't the documentary drop at the same time too? The Let It Be documentary, which also Gosh. made McCartney look like an ass, like an asshole. I mean, none of them look great, but they, I definitely think that if, if anyone looks the worst, it's mm-hmm. certainly him. So the other thing that happened at this time was 
George Harrison puts out All Things Must Pass. Mm-hmm. John Lennon puts out Plastic Ono Band. And these song, these albums get huge press. There are huge critical successes. And Paul is kind of left holding the bag. He's the failure. He's the stagnating one, right? So this is where he's at. And in the midst of that, like, it kind of keeps going on, right? He can't escape it. He puts out McCartney 1. He, uh, he sort of, he forms Wings. He does two records with Wings. He does another solo album called Ram. And every single one of these things pretty much tanks. Like, he just does not get any respect out of this stuff. And it's interesting, the long arm of history uh, sort of dictates that Ram which was, I think, maybe the most hated at the time. Like, literally, I think all three of the other Beatles came in and clowned on it. I think Ringo came in and was like, there's not a single hit on this thing. And I was like, uh, Ringo, kid, who, who, who are you? That's, you know, it's, it's funny because the kids love Ram now. And I'll tell you something. Um, I went out, actually, this is true. Before we recorded the podcast, I marched down to the record store and I bought my first ever Paul McCartney album, Ram. Ram. Not banned on the run because I still don't like that record. But Ram is great. It's it's moody and weird, and there's just some tracks on it that really work for me. Mm-hmm. Like if I'm just going to sit and listen to a thing straight through, it's it's really enjoyable. There's there's a person that sort of started this conversation that Ram is the very first independent album. It's the very first indie record. I don't know if that's true or not, but it's certain you could see how a lot of indie artists in the following decades would be influenced by that record or by yeah. Paul McCartney in a lot of ways. So anyway, but that at the time, everybody hated Ram. Um, so he couldn't get anywhere, absolutely anywhere at all. And then there are kind of like two things that happened that started to turn things around. One was that, uh, he had sort of written a song with wings where he was defending Ireland. Give Ireland back to the Irish. Right. He got in a lot of trouble. Like they, they banned the song from being played on the radio in the UK. And he got to come out and be like, well, you know, I care about my Irish brothers and, and, you know, Ireland didn't want any of this. The cops are coming out there. Like, you know what I mean? Like the UK, I don't want my, I don't want my money being spent to beat up on my Irish brothers and sisters. So he gets to look great, right? Like Mm -hmm. he's done a, he's taken a moral stand, which is usually John Lennon's beat. And here he is. And he's actually done it, right? He's pulled himself up and he's done it. So that happens. And then he and wings do a song for James Bond. Of all things, but yeah. And that song is a real hit. And so now he's primed to maybe turn things around. Oh, shit. Is Paul, is Paul McCartney going to be Paul McCartney again after blah, 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 Ram is bad, whatever? Like, and the short answer is, as far as history is concerned, yes. And the album that follows is Band on the Run. But how you how he managed to finally record Band on the Run is just brutal. I love it's this just story. A, I love it's I, so much better. Do you want to listen? I, I you know I I'll 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 pick up every single little thing on the floor uh, if I tell it. So do you want to here? T- I pass I, the baton oh, to you. Tell tell the tell the story of Band. I, on I the don't Run. know the entire story. I think you've done more research on this. What I know is that you know many artists they'll decide they need to go to like a, some remote place you know like go to jamaica or go to the bahamas or something to record uh you know a freight wave distractions you know nice beaches good mind place to be in paul mccartney decided his tropical location to record in would be nigeria 
Yep. Lagos, Nigeria. Civil war torn Nigeria. It was a weird choice. And and here's a thing that was happening in the background, right? So like the, the band wings as it was prior to band on the run was really interesting because what he was doing, he was, you know, in some ways, Paul McCartney was actually very humble during this time. Him and Wings basically just went around and did like college shows and shit. Like they would just show up places and be like, can we do a show? And so they were saying like the the fucking Beatles just show up at your place. Yeah. Be like, "Ooh, it's me, Paul. She loves you. Yeah. You know, so, (laughs) you know, but they didn't really, you know, they were, they were doing their own stuff. And I think that's, and I think they'd like, they charge like 50 P at the door, which is basically like 50 cents. And even, you know, in 1970s terms, that's not a lot of money. They were out there, you know, just trying things out. And that was fun. And everyone in the band was having a pretty good time. I think there was some sort of scuffle in the beginning about Linda being in the band because she didn't really. <laughs> oh, that, she couldn't really play thing. piano at all. And basically, Paul was like, that's my wife. She <laughs> is learning to play the piano. I love her and have more interest in being a band with her than any of all the rest of you fuckers. So. It's put up or shut up time. If you want to be in a band with a fucking Beatle, you got to be in the band with Linda McCartney. That's just reality. And they all were like, okay, then. And Linda McCartney is like, fine, perfectly fine. And again, it's just another one who's very modest. You know, there are interviews where she said, I understand why people hated me at first. I have worked really hard and I feel like I've kind of come out on my own now and I hope people will give us a shot. And that's sort of post band on the run. But she was, I think, understanding more understanding than I feel I would have been considering the kind of hate. She got so much hate. There was a point in which there was a publication that published a completely uncensored letter that John Lennon wrote that was just him bashing her. Can you imagine? I mean, I, I don't know. Okay, I, we, I remember we, we, we live in 2021. Like that's, he would just have put it on Twitter now, but like, that's horrifying. What a mean thing to do. I remember when, I mean, welcome back to the show, Paul McCartney for the record. I've got to say one of our <laughs> uh, second repeats, but we talked a lot about John Lennon, maybe kind of possibly being an asshole. I mean, I think they they all are, but like, I'm not, well, this is not, I mean, look, this is not the sum totality of the man. It's a thing he did that I can't respect. I just can't. Anyway, so they were having pretty, they were having a pretty good time, despite the fact that they weren't getting a lot of good press. The problem was money, right? There was money that was kind of being tied up. There were issues. So basically the other people in wings were not really doing well financially, even though they were in a band with a beetle. You would think they'd be loaded. No, not the case. So what happened was (laughs) right before they're set to get on the plane, like literally like right before two of the members of the band quit. They're just like, sorry, Paul, can't Mm -hmm. do it. You know, they, you know, I think they both look back and regret it now. And and of course, I mean, Band on the Run was was the turnaround point, not to right. spoil it. But, you know, I mean, if you know history, you know that. But yeah, I mean, like, I get it. I understand. They all kind of felt like if there had only been some kind of like financial agreement, something that sort of would have tided them over while they figured things out. But that never happened. And so there was a lot of resentment in the moment. And Paul basically threw deuces got on a plane and thought I'm going to make the greatest album and fuck all y'all. That was the, that was the plan. And he did, but <laughs> for the, so for the, the what you are the, so wrong about band on the run. I, I just listened to it and it rules. 
I, I, I not only do I not like the song, but there's, there is, there are precisely two songs on that record that I like and band on the run is not one of them (laughs) except for one sliver. We'll get there. Um, so here's what happens. You know, there's going to be a problem early on when he's in the plane and you know, when you're rich, uh, and well-known and famous, sometimes the, the pilots are like, hey, you want to watch us land the plane? And uh, so they asked him and he was like, oh, yeah, sure. You know, so he like comes in and he's watching them and there's this there's this fog and he hears one of the guys go, can you see it? No, can you? And they couldn't see the landing strip. They didn't. And Paul's like, I think it's over there right there. You know, and, like, and they're like, no, that's not it. And so they almost didn't even land. And that really sets the tone <laughs> for the whole thing. They get down there and they go to the recording studio. Restor- recording studio is not finished being built. There's no like recording booths. Like they have to like basically build their own stuff in order to even be able to record. They're they're out of half the band. Keeping in mind again that one of the three people that are still there is Linda McCartney, who's still like learning as she goes at this point in her career. And so they are really in a tight spot. And at one point when they're making the most of it and recording things, uh, they go out for like a jaunty walk. They think they get like a drink or something and they're walking and like a car drives up and they slow down and the window comes down and the guy driving the car goes like, are you travelers? And Paul is like, oh yeah, we're travelers, you know but we don't need to ride or anything, you know, like he's like, you know, he's Paul McCartney. He thinks that someone's recognized him as a Beatle. Mm-hmm. And then uh, like five guys get out of this thing. Like they like clown car out of it. And one of them's got like a knife and they <laughs> rob them. They rob them. They take their money. They take the the master tapes of what they've recorded so far. So what work they've done, they've now lost has now been stolen by these guys in Nigeria. <laughs> I just like why are you why are you recording in Nigeria, Paul? Did you just pick a random spot? Like, what did you think? Like, because it's not like a Nigerian record that you made. It's not like I mean, it's just a straight up coming to America, pointing to a place on a globe and going yeah. Queens. Like you, that's yeah, you know nothing about this place you showed up in. You know nothing was, about the situation. I mean, I'm sure he knew. I think he just. I think Paul McCartney, had, despite the depression that he was feeling post-Beatles breakup, I think that he probably felt a certain degree of invulnerability. Maybe that's not true. I mean, he the thing is, he's Paul McCartney. He would apparently, like, there's a story where early on with Wings, some guy, like, walked up to him, threatened to kill him with a knife, and then, like, walked into a bar. And the two other guys from Wings, one of the two of them had a knife, and they went and, like, beat the shit out of the guy. I was like... <laughs> This is, I mean, what, what a weird time. Anyway, so this is all, this is all the preamble, right? They get in, they record as much as they can in Nigeria, and then they come back to England and they, I think they sort of like, they finish it off. They do the production level of, of the album. And it doesn't really do much of anything until a certain song comes out. Jet. (laughs) And Jet's the hit. Jet is the hit at first. And rightly so. That, fu- that that song fucking rules. It's one of the rare I ones. I like Jet a lot. It's my second favorite song on the album. But basically this, so this album basically stayed on some kind of chart for like two years or something crazy like that. And they went on a huge world tour and it's the, you know, the long and short of it is 
it was all worth it. He turns it around. Paul McCartney suddenly like, you know, I think John Lennon had put out Mind Games that year and Mind Games was getting a lot of positive press. And then it was just decimated by Band on the Run. Just yeah. absolutely destroyed. Like it was just the thing that everyone was talking about. Yeah. Um, I think 1974 is like the basically only point in history where you could say Paul was the coolest Beatle or at least the most popular Beatle. Like he's always been popular, but he's never been like this is like the one time where he's like actually kind of cool on his own solo. Because like mean, the, the, cool- the, the, the tag against Paul is that he's always been like the goofy one. Right. As soon as he didn't have the other Beatles weighing him down, he departed into like goofy ass Uncle Albert Admiral Halsey shit. Oh, the I love that track. That's off a of Ram. <laughs> that's a that's a Ram track. Um, you can really and, ram. That's that's a real like. You could tell the Flaming Lips would listen to that. You know, like I I you listen Vampire to Ram. Weekend you can was hear the one I always heard. Sure, Vampire Weekend definitely. There's a lot of tracks on there where you can tell that like Wilco were big fans. Like, there's yeah. a lot of these sort of like not, late '90s, early 2000s people that I think that was sort of quietly the turning point for Ram. Anyway. We're not talking about Ram just yet. Um, I'm sure I'll swing back around to it like a jerk. But so eventually, you know, the song band on the run comes out. And again, like it's just like the hit of the millennium. Like it's, you know, it was like the best album of that year, like the best song of that year. It was just completely unstoppable. And it sucks and I hate it. (laughs) There's exactly one good part to that song and the rest of it blows. Which... You know, I couldn't possibly guess which part. It's the part that rips. It's the if I ever get out of here. That's the part that I like. That that the whole so the crux of my I don't like band on the run is that the other two parts of the song are nowhere near as good as that part. That's the coolest part of that song. That that part is amazing. Make me a whole song out of that. That's the greatest goddamn song I ever heard in my life. But these other two, eh, it's not a surprise that it was a hit. I mean, that's Live and Let Die has got the same problem where it opens on that like da 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 And then all of a sudden it's like, what does it matter to me? You're like, what the, what the hell is this? You know, it's like two songs smashed together that don't really work together, except uh, clearly I'm wrong because everybody else likes it. But I don't get it. If, if- I, I never understood why... Live and Let Die is a good song, except for the opening, that's great. And I don't understand why Band on the Run is such a great song, except okay. for If I Ever Get Out of Here. I didn't take to Band on the Run at first. It took me a little bit. Nowadays, I, I do like it a lot. I wouldn't say I love it. It's not my favorite McCartney song. But if I had to rank the the three parts, it would be three, one, and then two at the very end. That's the craziest easily. goddamn thing I've ever heard in my life. You're wrong. <laughs> Your opinion is wrong. I hate you. Our friendship is over. Live and Let Die is also a, a one that I didn't really quite get at first, but the more I hear it, the more I like it. The, like once I've heard, heard it like a hundred times, I got it. Um, I, but it so like, my, the, the part you don't like is also the part I didn't really like at first. I don't. I, so here's what the I thing. Um, I like when Axl Rose does it. <laughs> And uh, and and kind of likewise, I really you know Dave Grohl did a performance of Band on the Run. Oh yeah, for it for rips. then President of the United States uh, Barack Obama, and also for Paul McCartney, and that was great. That was the very first time that I heard that song, and I was like, I get it, mm-hmm. right? That it just there's something about Dave Grohl's voice and his energy that I just don't think is present on the actual Band on the Run record. 
in my opinion. That's McCartney. He's, you know, he's the, one of the greatest composers in rock history, but he's also a goofy fucking man. Now, yeah. if I'll tell you, if, if, uh, by the way, there's one other song on this album that Paul will cite that he really likes, which is called Let Me Roll It. Mm-hmm. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. But let me tell you what the best song on this whole album is. It's 1985 and it's yeah. not even close. That's the best song on the whole record. It's maybe the best Paul McCartney song I've ever heard. It's so good. Like maybe better than most of his Beatles songs. That's how much I like that song. Oh, that that okay, song we're going, absolutely rules. If Paul McCartney has done a prog rock song, it's that one. It's great. And the only part I don't like about it is at the very end it goes, band on the run. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, why? <laughs> we were so close. We were home. We were home. It's the last track on the record. Why did you do it to me? You didn't even tell the my favorite part of the band on the run story. Oh, what did I miss? Apparently, legendary African jazz man. I don't even know how to pronounce it because I'm not a jazz person. Like Fela Kuti. Is that right? Fela Kuti? I'm so sorry if I'm butchering this. I should have looked it up first. But he heard that a fucking Beatle was in his you know hometown making music. And he got really angry. And he got up and showed up at Paul's face. and was like, you're coming here to jack my style, aren't you? <laughs> Did Paul and say, who are you? Paul's a plugged in guy. I think he knew who he was. And he had to like confirm. He's like, no, trust me. This sounds absolutely nothing like African jazz. It sounds absolutely goddamn nothing like like your music. And it sure fucking doesn't. Yeah, that's wow. What a weird. Yeah. What a weird thing. I don't understand that at all. I, wait, well, no, I get it. I get it. I think that like if I mean, I, I don't know why I said that. Like no yeah. white man has ever shown <laughs> yeah, no, up. No, no, it's a it's a fair like, concern. It's a yes, I understand completely. Um, like like I've around the same time, I think Elton John was in Jamaica re- making his like gotcha. horrible reggae songs. I don't care for this album. Other than Jet and 1985. And also, uh, there's another story on this, which is that uh, who it was Dustin Hoffman and something else, somebody else that were filming something. They were filming a movie also in Nigeria. And so Dustin Hoffman and, and Paul McCartney hung out. And Dustin Hoffman asked Paul if he could write a song based on this thing because Picasso had just died. And someone had pu- published an article with what his last words were. And Justin Hoffman was like, these were Picasso's last words. You know, they were like, drink to me or something. And like, can you make a song about that? And he and, did. And he did. And that song sucks. <laughs> that song is bad. It's, it's so bad. I don't. There's just a lot of songs on this record that I do not connect with at all. Uh, you know, like he does this thing where he'll, you know, like in particular. So Picasso's last words, like he brings back like other tracks in the middle of it. And I'm like, what? But what, what? Like, I think jet comes back out of nowhere for some reason. You're like, why? What? No. And this is one of those reasons why ELO um, and Mr. Blue Sky and Concerto for a Rainy Day all kind of take it for me is because when they redo stuff, when they bring things back, when they bring it back, it works. It's like how Paul did on Abbey Road. I don't know how it is that he lost the fucking thread so bad. But he did it on Abbey Road in a way that I feel like everybody, including Jeff Lynn, ripped off. Yeah, that's a... I feel like we we lost a whole lot of listeners who were like, get to Mr. Blue Sky, the song we like, versus Band on the Run, a song we've never heard of because we're all like 17. Like, yeah, sorry, 17 I don't know, it's, 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 
Electric Light Orchestra didn't really get their due for a long time. They were just like one of many classic rock acts, like, you know, like Foreigner or something that, you know, they were there on the radio all the time, but didn't really capture people's imaginations except for making really good music. Like, I don't know a thing about Jeff Lynne. There's not really a lot to know. <laughs> yeah. No, Jeff Lynne is like a weird secret guy who does not like talking to people. He doesn't like talking about his other bandmates. He's a, a very quiet private. He's like a very anti-rock star. In fact, I, I remember it was like people were telling me it's like the, the Traveling Wilburys, like greatest super group of all time. We've got Bob Dylan, George Harrison, Tom Petty, and we got Jeff Lynne. Who the fuck is that? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. You mean the guy, the guy who is responsible for some of the best records of all. So that's the, th- you know, the reason why, yeah. you know, I, I think that electric, electric light orchestra is liked now. We can just call them yellow. I don't know why we're doing it the full time. Yellow is much easier to say, <laughs> but many syllables for you. It's huh? a whole lot, whole lot of business, but I think that they, part of why they are looked back on so fondly now is because Jeff Lynn uh, produced a lot of George Harrison stuff. Um, he produced full moon fever mm-hmm. for Tom, Tom Petty. Petty's biggest album. Yeah. You know, and he's done a lot of stuff. You know, if you look, you'll you'll see. Uh, in fact, there's a I'm going to say a thing later that's really going to make some people angry. But they were, I think, for a very long time, even when they were liked, you know, uh, I think John Lennon called them like the son of the Beatles or like Beatles Jr. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he meant it entirely as an insulting thing, but that was the thing. And even now, if you look at the comments on this poll, you'll see a lot of people talking about how, you know, Jeff Lynn is just a, a Beatles ripoff guy. I don't think that's fair, but I think that even he would admit the, the influence just, is just how influential. They, I mean, there. I think that yeah. there's maybe not a single successful band that was more influenced by them than Yellow. It's just so obvious, including Mr. Blue Sky. You can really... You can see the the especially like a day in the life. Day in the life, obviously. It's yeah. so clear. I mean, like literally, like they both even have the like both of them running down the like yeah. both of them have it. It's crazy. Wait, where is it in day, day in the life? Woke up, got out of bed, tried to comb across my head. I went downstairs and drank a cup. Running out, I noticed I was late. Oh, that's there, right, it's right there. Grab my coat, grab my hat. Anyway, I don't know why I'm singing that whole song other than because it's know, really like, good. When people say things sound Beatles-esque, they generally mean a day in the life or they mean hello, goodbye. And that's... It's true. It's true. I mean, uh, but like truly, if we're talking about bands that were so obviously influenced, it's it's either ELO or Oasis. They're like the two. Very different uh, takes on their uh, what they, they took from the Beatles. Well, Jeff Lynn is likable, so that's a big starting point right there. Um, anyway, so whether or not they were beloved as like capital A artists, they certainly were successful. You know, I don't think mm-hmm. so their first album, I don't think quite hit. I don't think the second oh, album. Oh, man, was I, had a, super- I had a girlfriend who was like super into ELO and they played she played me ELO's like the songs from his, their first album. The only one I remember is a mashup of Chuck Berry's Rollover Beethoven with Beethoven's Fifth. It's like a primitive mashup, and it does not work at all. It is awful. Yeah, that's, what, that's I, where ELO started. Yeah, I. So I mean, there are songs that I think now have become very big. I always sort of think that there is a 
bit of a trilogy of successful albums before they get to Out of the Blue, which I feel like is probably their most successful record. Um, and that's El Dorado, which was a concept album about the Wizard of Oz, um, Face the Music, and A New World Record. Some people will say A New World Record is actually I would, their, I their would best say album. A New World Record. I like that one more than Out of the Blue, which is too long. It's too long. Mm. I mean, look, again, I mean, look, I can't deny, I mean, that a new world record has telephone line on it. Uh, yeah, and that, that's pretty I much absolutely. the decider for me. Evil woman's on that one, right? Uh, no, I don't know. Uh, living thing is, and do ya is. And so those are, those are all absolutely massive hits. I believe, yes, I believe that that other one is on face. Yeah. Evil music, evil woman is on face the music. All right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I always think that those three were absolutely, very successful El Dorado, maybe not hugely, but face the music and a new world record, I think are a big turning point, certainly big enough that when you get to um, 1977's out of the blue, there is, I think a lot of pressure, right? And the story, I feel like this very well-known story at this point, but since again, I, I, a lot of our listeners are younger and may not know it is that Jeff Lynn had no idea what to do. He was having terrible writer's block. So they clearly were doing well financially because what they did was they went to a chalet in the Swiss Alps for a month <laughs> to chill and be influenced by the, the, the beautifulness of the Alps. And they get there and they bring all their stuff and it basically starts raining and does not stop for like <laughs> two weeks straight. Europe is very rainy. People forget that. It's uh yeah, pretty the wild considering the fact that Jeff wet. Lynn is 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 not from America. He's a, he's a European gentleman. He he's also from, seemed to forget. Yeah. He also seemed know. to forget. But so they get there and he's really like super bummed, really unhappy. Uh can't continues to be all messed up. Don't know what to do. Uh mm-hmm. and then 2 weeks in the sun comes out and suddenly they're able to see the blue skies and, uh, you know, and the, the beautiful Swiss Alps, blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. And he writes Mr. Blue Sky, which is based partly off of this thing called Sparky's Magic Piano. Uh, and Alan Livingston, who produced it, uh, that used uh, the Sonovox, the, the talk box thing that you end up hearing so much. Uh, that was this thing that Jeff Lynn really loved as a kid. And so he creates this kind of character, Mr. Blue Sky, that's supposed to be kind of like Sparky's Magic Piano. (laughs) And he builds this song around the mixture of that and coming out of the rain and seeing this beautiful blue sky in the Swiss Alps. And from there, he basically just writes the rest of the record in like three weeks, which is crazy. And then they just bang it out. It's a double album. So it's a that's a lot of writing in three weeks. It's a big record. And here's the thing about it. Uh, a new me, world record, you might say. Whew, no. Whew, whew, you did it. You tried. Um, Turn to Stone, It's Over, Sweet Talking Woman, Across the Border, Night in the City, Starlight, Jungle Lambs, not really great, <laughs> but the long arm of time. I liked it as a kid, but now I'm like, ooh. Um, <laughs> and then like it kind of it kind of fades for a second, uh, I think, as you sort of get close to the end of side B. And then, motherfucking concerto for a rainy day. Holy shit. This is, to this day, 
maybe in my top five best sides of any record ever made, period. It's so good. Standing in the rain, big wheels, summer and lightning, all capping with Mr. Blue Sky. And Mr. Blue Sky is, to me, it's a, if it's not a 10 out of 10, it's like a 9 to 9.5. Um, once you combine it with everything else, it's like a billion out of 10. Because it really like, it builds and builds and builds. And when you get to that song, it really does feel like you've come out of a really long, rainy storm where your life was shit. And mm. all of a sudden, you have hope again for the first time in who the hell knows how long. And it it just, it works. Everything about that song is, I mean, some people apparently think it's annoying. I think it's a perfect song. I think that no, song I, is just goddamn perfect. Oh, man. I was having like a minor crisis. I was expecting it's like some terrible news a few months ago. I mean, you know what it is. We're not going to say it because it's personal. But I don't know. And then suddenly, you know, it just kind of went away. Like I was expecting something terrible to happen to me and nothing happened. And immediately that's what started playing in my head. And it was like literally I could imagine myself like walking through the door and like the world turning color from black and white, like the, like the transition scene from wizard of Oz and this song playing. And I was like, God, like Mr. Blue sky is the only song I want to be listening to right now. It's a very powerful song. And like, it didn't even occur to me till I read some of the comments that some people might find that song annoying. This is, this is a song like don't stop believing in which it has very much earned its overplay. It's, I have never, ever, ever gotten tired of it. The only way I would say I've ever gotten tired of that song, the only time I didn't like it, is Jeff Lynn went back and re-recorded a bunch of tracks from his ELO days by himself, including this one. And it's one of those things where you go, oh, Jeff. Special edition. Do you you not understand why this song is good? Because I'm starting to wonder if you don't know. Um, Because it's just, it's like he he tried to make it more sonically perfect and it just takes a lot away. It takes a lot away. There's something about um, the drummer's idea of instead of having a cowbell, they just beat on a fire extinguisher. I love that detail. I fucking love that detail. Nothing else has ever sounded like that on on a record. That clang, 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 clang. It sounds so great. It's really, it's just a bright, vibrant song but what i like about it is that you know people talk about how happy it is and it certainly is that but my favorite part of the song is the part where the 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 blue daylight part of it is over that's that's my favorite part of the whole song is when you get like they've gone through like two movements of it and then jeff Lynne comes back and he goes mr blue you did it right but soon comes Mr. Knight creeping over. Now his hand is on your shoulder. Never mind. It's that. It's that shoulder. That yeah. that fucking gets me every time. And then it goes into the post song, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like all, again, it's all this orchestral stuff again, and it's just I don't know that it technically counts as being part of Mr. Blue Sky or or what. No, you that know, is it, absolutely part of Mr. Blue Sky. I, I, it depends on who you ask. Interestingly enough, I think some people will say it's sort of like the coda, the end point to Concerto for a Rainy Day. It's supposed to wrap up the fact that it was this multi-song arc. Um, but it's just it's those people are wrong. It is part of Mr. Blue Sky. But let me tell you, it, it actually bums me out when I hear that song on the radio because I know that they're going to cut before you get to that part. 
I just remember being so blown away by that because you think the song is going to be over and then it just goes to this absolutely brilliant, beautiful place. It, it, I don't know. It just wraps up, like I said, the concerto for a rainy day. So perfectly in a way that I just, I don't think of Jeff Lynne as being like this deep guy. Like I don't think, I don't listen to that and go like, man, he's really talking about like history and philosophy. Like he just wrote a song about like a nice blue sky day. That's it. You know what I mean? Like it's not like being sad and then the, the the sky turns blue and you feel better. Like it's not deep, but he executes that simple idea so perfectly. You know, it's a, it's a funny thing. I was like reading some of the, uh, you know, the retrospective reviews like of, for the reissue on CD for 30 years. And like, I, I was reading one in Pitchfork that came out in like 2007 and it was like, Optimism had just kind of started to take over the discourse. And it was like, I think ELO is like having its moment all of a sudden because they were like the prog rock band that disco dancers could listen to. They're almost like not rock enough to be prog rock. They're a pop band, a very uh, complicated and complex and heavily orchestrated pop band, but they're very catchy. They are very catchy. I am a so uh, before we uh, return to Paul McCartney because mm-hmm. we probably should. Boy, we've been talking for a long time. Holy crap! It's a lot to say. We did not need a guest. Yeah, we did not need one. Um, I want to say that uh, Out of the Blue is incredible. I love it very much. I ha- I have a, um, a double record of it, picture disc, um, and I listened to. It was such a good excuse to listen to the whole thing over and over again, but especially the concerto part. However, it is not my favorite ELO album. And since it is, I believe, the 40th anniversary of my favorite album's release, I'm going to bring it up. It is called Time. It is the other ELO concept album. It is kind of about time travel. Jeff Lynn is sort of fuzzy about whether or not time travel actually occurs or if it's just in the the head, in the mind, if it's a dream of the, the, the protagonist in the story. But it's an album that, drifted from their standard because it was less orchestral and it was more like electrically symphonic. It's an unbelievably good record. It has some of my favorite songs of all time. And I don't, I don't mean like just of ELOs, but like just period. It's got uh twilight. It's got ticket to the moon. It's got uh rain has fallen. It's got here is the news it's funny, the, the biggest one off of that is called Hold On Tight. That's the one that most people know. And I find that to be a little too straightforward. I like that time is, again, not quite proggy, but it's it's off the beaten path. I like it the way that I think that other people like Ram, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's weird. And if you go back, you can see that it's it's sneaky, but it's influential, like it's not obvious, but you can really see how even some of New Wave was influenced and uh, yeah, it's, it's, certainly, really, it's certainly the hipster choice. The same way that Ram is, like you got to. It's a bit of a deep cut. Let me tell you a thing that is factually true. When I met my wife, one of the reasons we got married and we were sure that we were going to get married is because each of us was the only other person we'd ever met that had even heard of Time, let alone considered it to be one of the greatest records ever recorded. And we were like, "This is it." So I don't, I don't know if there's other people that feel this strongly about it, but if you've 
if you only know ELO for its like standard big hits, you owe it to yourself to sit down. I have an original pressing of time uh, because, of course, I do. But sit down and listen to that thing all the way through, especially if you can find the there's some um, bonus tracks on some of the releases. When Time Stood Still sounds like 1980s Peter Davison, Doctor Who kind of era sound effects, which I love. And uh, Julie Don't Live Here Anymore, which is just fucking pop paradise is the perfect pop song. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to put that out there before we go back to Paul McCartney, that as great as out of the blue is it's, I, I must, I simply must stand for time. Quick, two quick questions before we, you, we go to wherever you want to talk about what is your favorite yellow song? What is my favorite yellow song? Is it the Gosh. one we are discussing today? Cause you, you came out pretty hard for it. Um, I don't think it is. I mean, it, it, it's it's if it's if it's not, it's in the top three for sure. Um, I I don't know. I love I love Twilight so much, um, which is off of time. Um, that's a that's a song that I even as someone who liked ELO had never heard of before until like early days of the internet. I saw a um, a video from like this old like thing called daikon it was sort of like uh like oh here's a bunch of japanese artists in japan like coming up with stuff like amateur artists amateur animators and they put together this thing called daikon 3 and then they created one later that was daikon 4 and it's like a girl in a bunny suit on a carrot beating up like darth vader and like other popular characters that they clearly did not have the rights to be doing but they did it for free so who cares and it's played over uh, Twilight, which I'd never heard. And as soon as I heard it, I was like, this sounds like ELO. And then I was like, oh, I've never, it is ELO. And then I was like, I've never heard of this album and listened to it straight through. But anyway, that's a boy, what a long ass stretch. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's like that telephone line is, is a really strong contender for me. I love that song just because Jeff Lynn does this brilliant thing where he starts way far away from the mic like they're putting an effect on it that makes it sound like he's on a bad connection on the Mm -hmm. phone and as it builds and gets warmer and warmer like there's a point where it just transitions completely to being fully warm it's just it's it's just so emotive it's so like there's just something powerful about that song and again it's not philosophical it ain't that deep but the way he records it the way he sings it the way just the production of it I don't know. I, it's really hard for me to pick a favorite, but I think it's. I think those are probably the the three. They kind of jump around. Mr. Blue Sky, Twilight, and and uh, and uh, Telephone Line. For me, it's either Telephone Line, Evil Woman, or and this is my deep cut pick, All Over the World from Xanadu. I f- oh <laughs> man! Wow. I mean, again, like this is this is going to be a double album length yeah. podcast, I guess. Okay. Well, but, what's what's uh, <laughs> What's your favorite Paul? Oh, I don't know. Like like post Beatles Paul? Yeah, post, solo Paul. Is it Let Him In? Is it Ebony and Ivory? Is it My no. Love? Definitely not. Definitely not that. Um, <laughs> is it I'm like The Boy to, Is Mine? Uh, I'll tell you what. So I will say I really... So um, Uncle Albert, Admiral Halsey is fine uh, off of Ram. I do like it. I was saying how much I loved it. It's It's pretty good. I really, there's a really weird track on that called Monkberry Moon Delight that I <laughs> absolutely love. I'll have to and revisit it. Definitely, definitely one of my favorite uh, songs of his. But I will say that there is a specific album 
Uh, and I'm glad that you brought this up because it is going to be the way in which I trash Band on the Run one more time. He did it. So he did an album after, uh, I, for, for those who don't recall, in the 90s, I think around like 95 or 96, the three tolls, the remaining Beatles, got together and did this thing called the Beatles Anthology. During which they created, they was like, you know, it was just a lot of interviews talking about the history of the band. They used demos from two John Lennon songs to make a song called Free as a Bird and another song called Real Love. And it was really, you know, I think that people were kind of critical of Free as a Bird, but people really liked Real Love. And just on the whole, it was, you know, like people were feeling good. Paul was feeling great coming out of it. And he then went around and recorded a new album called Flaming Pie. Oh, yes, I remember that. Flaming Pie just, I think, got a re-release last year. And so now there's like a bunch of songs on that that are getting a lot of attention, uh, including a one called Great Day, which I guess is the most listened to one on Spotify, which is a really solid song. But there's a song, the first song that I heard off of it was called The World Tonight. And I absolutely, I think that song is great. I think that's like such a, it's very Beatles-esque. Like it's definitely him reaching back to those days. I think it's a fun song, and you'll never guess who produced it, Jeff fucking Lynn. I found a great quote where Paul McCartney is like, Jeff Lynn, just amazingly creative, just amazingly clever guy, bit of a twat. I believe that. I believe that that, that sounds right to me. Yeah. Uh, and by that, I mean both that I could see where, where Paul McCartney specifically would say that, yeah. And also where like maybe Jeff Lynn is a little bit like, I don't know. He's just, I think, I think Jeff, Jeff Lynn is like a, he's like, he's like yield YouTuber, right? Like he's just a guy that interacts with himself and doesn't really know how to interact with others. I think, yeah. I don't know how good he is at being a human being. He's great at being a music producer. You know, I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a jerk, but I think that he kind of like, I think he's awkward. I think that's, that's what I, I've, when I've seen, I watched a documentary from him and he seemed nice, but distant. Like he just didn't know how to be a human being around other human beings. Mm -hmm. And I think that Paul McCartney would hate that. <laughs> that makes sense. But I think the, I think the world tonight, I listened to it and there are elements of that song that made me think of that. Dun -dun 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 if I ever get out of here, my favorite mm -hmm. part of, of, of band on the run. And so what I often say about band on the run is I would rather listen to the world tonight I do like that middle part. I don't hate it. I, I like it. But I feel like Ban on the Run, if you took out both the first part and the last part, it's like it's a progression. It's a plot. You got the sad part at the beginning and then the desperate part in the middle and then the freedom at the end. But here's the thing about that. I, I, I hear what you're saying. I just don't feel like they quite all gel. That was always mm -hmm. like I could see how the first and the last part do, but that second part just doesn't feel like it's a part of the rest of it. And it's the part I like the most. And this again, actually circles back to why I like Ram so much. The thing that I like about that middle section is that like, it really feels like they're in like a groove. You know what I mean? Like it, there, it, there's just something really moody and interesting. And I could just listen to that for a while. That's why I like 1985 is that it, it also kind of has that dun, 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 dun. like, it's just got, it just feels like, you're like he's in a groove and like I just like could just sit and listen to it all forever. Thank yeah. goodness, because that's a long ass song. But a lot of Ram is like that is Paul getting into a groove and staying in it. And yeah, that's it. I mean, Band on the Run is I think the more I've listened to it, because I, you know, I listened to the album and the song a lot. I found myself hating it less. 
but I still don't like it. I still don't think it's a good song. Mm-hmm. Honestly, like I tried. I Lord knows I I made an attempt. I really an attempt was made, but the only thing that I came out thinking was, gosh, I really like Ram. Oh, we I think we've talked it to death. All right. As we tend to do. Remember when we struggled to fill 30 minutes? Yep. Back when well, we started this. Well, this was this was a very special episode where Yes, it was. I ha- I had a whole lot to say. Okay, so we're going to do our our four questions. Maybe these will be quicker now because it's just the two of us. Um, yeah. But you know, they they help us form our final opinion. Maybe help inform what what it is, why we feel the way that we do. Uh, mm-hmm. Question number one is: uh, only one of these songs can keep existing. The other one is getting chucked in the bin. Will never be remembered again. Gone forever. Which one has to stay for, as the kids say, the culture? That's a rough one. It is. That is hard. I didn't realize how important Ban on the Run was to rescuing Paul McCartney's reputation before you started uh, reporting on it. And now, I, I don't know, cause like Mr. Blue Sky is like ubiquitous now. But like it wasn't like it didn't seem like the biggest deal at the time, not till like the last 20 years. So I feel like the progress, like the, the culture would have progressed the same way without it. On the other hand, Ban on the Run doesn't feel that important to me. Paul McCartney had like six bajillion hits after this. So like maybe he'd have been okay. But like Band on the Run was like, I think is like high crest as as far as like cred goes. So, geez, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I, I kind of want to go to with Mr. Blue Sky because it's the better song. So the thing for me is. I know that's not that... the question, but it's the better song. So like that's I feel like that's the bigger loss. My problem is that I can't divorce it for for my own personal history, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, fuck the world. I don't think I would be the same person. I remember hearing Mr. Blue Sky for the first time, and it was transformative. It changed the way I thought about music, and I have not looked at music the same way since. So for me because I care more about me than I do about the world when it comes to music in this case. I don't think either of these songs is important for the culture in the sense that like the world will fall into the sea without them. I, I choose for me. So I would take, I would take uh, Mr. Blue Sky over Band on the Run. And I think maybe Paul would be, he's still, I mean, he's still a Beatle and he yeah. still would have had Jet. Um, and maybe 1985 would have been a bigger hit. Should have been. Great song. It should have, yes. Uh, it's, all right. a, it's it's definitely a better song than Band on the Run. And I say that having talked myself into liking Band on the Run, no, 1985 is by far the better song. It cranks. Just like that's just, if you've never heard that song, turn it on and crank it. It's good. Uh, it is really, really good. Anyway, question number two. Uh, you can be around soup to nuts. See the entire creation. But this is easy. It's 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 Band on the Run, right? I mean, like, how is this even a debate? Like, I, I, the full question is you, you can watch the creation of one of one of these two songs. I just don't think that watching Jeff Lynn create sounds that interesting, but this story, this thing to be around Paul McCartney as he gets mugged and all the stuff that happened. Like, I just want that. I just want to experience that. I feel like if you uh, are a, like neither of us are right, are musicians. I mean, you, you can play guitar some, I can play piano some, but we're not like out there writing, composing or anything. If you were a composer, I would be fascinated with the process of writing Mr. Blue Sky, which is like so many goddamn parts. 
Yeah. But I'm not. So yeah, Paul, Paul McCartney band on their own. Just it's just such a cool story that I just am kind of curious yeah. to see like what else what else is there like what was that like what how how did Paul McCartney react to getting mugged that must have mm-hmm. been wild can you imagine anyway uh, all right question number three Megan the Stallion is going to get up to some hot girl shit by listening to one and only one of these two songs going on the playlist the hot, which one of these songs which one of these songs Todd now and forever is hot girl shit see these are both songs about escaping to uh to good time. Band on the Run is about freedom. Mr. Blue Sky is about happiness. I feel like you can make a case for both of them. That said, Mr. Blue Sky, obviously. Oh, really? I think it's Band on the Run. Oh, really? Again, that that groove, that that part is so hot girl shit. I think it would be the third part. Oh, I don't. I mean, you're I think the one the... who hates Band on the Run, so like, I do maybe think you're the wrong that person to ask. That's, that second part I like so much, and it feels like hot girl shit to me. And so based on that alone, I don't know. I don't I don't listen to Jeff Lynn and go hot girl shit. I just don't. Yeah. Does not an insult. I just, you know, if only one of them is it's it's if I ever get out of here like that yeah. is like I could twerk to that. I couldn't. I don't have any ass to speak <laughs> of. But you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. Question number four, uh, most important question, not just this podcast, but obviously of all of all time. Uh William Shatner, man about town, actor of some repute. Singer-songwriter, you know, definitely definitely an argument to be made. He's going to do a Shatner version of one and only one of these two songs. Which one, Todd, must be shat upon? It's got to be banned on the run. Really? Boy, we yeah. are on the opposite <laughs> side every time. Man. Wow. I guess. I don't know. I, Mr. Blue, you did it right. But soon comes Mr. Knight. <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Like, that alone. Mr. Knight. Ah, it's just that my favorite part of the song. Just I, I think part of the reason I like it so much is because it's so theatrical. It has such a, a, a Shatnerosity to it that I can't help but pick that. But and the county uh, judge make... held a grudge. <laughs> I mean, I think they're both very good for him. Actually, yeah, I think you can't go wrong. And this is like one of those times where I, I kind of wish we could just say both. Yeah, I mean, well, we're, 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 like, we're not like keeping official score, like. Nothing's stopping us. It's not like against yeah. the rules. Yeah, there. Well, there. I mean, there are rules, but we're allowed to break them because we yeah. made the rules. Um, anyway, all right. So that's those are the four questions. Why don't we hear from the uh, the commentariat? All right. Let's see what we got. Gabriel Schliefer writes, "Band on the run. Band on the run is a song that makes me happy. Mister Blue Sky is a song that tells me to be happy." I'm very sorry. Lena has a genetic predisposition that prevents her from understanding that band on the run is good. What are you, you going to say to I, that, Lena? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to say that I do have a lot of genetic problems. <laughs> I don't know that that's one of them. <laughs> Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> Cherry Cola writes, finally, the Paul McCartney versus Paul Blart mall cop battle we've been waiting for. Apparently it was in Paul Blart mall cop. I've never seen Paul. Am I, I missing have, out on I a cultural touchstone? I, I can't believe we got to Paul Blart before we got to Guardians of the Galaxy, which we didn't bring up at all. Weird. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I just the thing is that, like, I'm aware that it has all that it was in all these movies and, and trailers and stuff. But mm-hmm. like, I don't actually it doesn't pertain at all to me and my interest in the song. But I get it. I get why. That's why a lot of people know it. I don't know. Like yep, that. Paul Blart. Yep. <laughs> 
I don't know if Guardians of the Galaxy was like, I love that opening scene. It's a great scene. Uh, I Mr. Blue Sky re- used really well in it. But I think that's kind of the tipping point where it was like, I think uh, we can, this song is getting a little overexposed. Yeah, it can take a break, uh, except in my house when it will it, be yeah. heard every day. All right. Jacob Agelson writes, Band on the Run sucks. What good is a multi-part epic when none of the individual song parts are very good? I mean, <laughs> two out of two out of three things I agree with. I agree. I agree yes. two out of three times. All right. Nowhere Girl writes, You're making things pretty hard on your young audience, in my opinion. I know we got a bunch of Zoomers in here, but I know at least a, most of you know Mr. Blue Sky if you're listening to this. Yeah, I mean, like, I get that. that I mean, we're not, we, we weren't alive not, in the 70s either, like, neither of us. Yeah, but yeah. again, I mean, this is that thing that I said at the top. I mean, this here's why I'll, I, I, I will say I agree. Because remember when I said towards the beginning that uh, I'm not sure that people still think that the Beatles are the, the greatest, most important rock band of all time? Mm-hmm. Like, they sur- absolutely, in the 80s and 90s, and even I think even to the 2000s to a point, um, you know, in my, my teens and twenties and thirties and, and such, um, I think that was still true, but I don't know that people see it that way anymore. So band on the run, I just feel like is one of those things that is not, it's not ubiquitous. It's not, I don't think, you know, a song that zoomers are listening to. Like, know, yes, I... they'll know Mr. Blue Sky cause it's in movies and shit, but I don't think that they really would. I don't know that band on the run registers in an instant. I know that song kind of way for younger people. Yeah. Band on the run. Definitely not. But Mr. Blue Sky, I looked it up on Spotify. Like it has like 500 million streams, like 10 times the nearest ELO song. So like, this is, yeah, but no, I, I don't know. You, you watch. Guardians 3 will have Band on the Run in it, and then everyone will know it again. I mean, that's I a pretty Guardians song. would not surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Could see it. All right. One last one. Matt O. writes, I like both. And while I could argue the musical merits of Mr. Blue Sky, the actual reason I'm voting is much more petty. Working for ELO gave me a really cool vest. He has that's a, a great reason. I, yeah. love, I love a cool vest. Like, uh, I'm not going to read the rest of it, but apparently uh, he has like a cool vest with the ELO UFO on the back of it. And I got to tell you, Matt, that sounds pretty fucking awesome. And that's what you get for. uh, Yes. For working at a concert arena where you, uh, you know, I don't know what he was doing, like parking or something, but. See my vest, see my (laughs) vest. Got a UFO on the breast. I don't know. I I couldn't come up with anything. That's a, it was, it was good. That's good. I, I, don't don't get don't sell yourself short. I tried. I tried. There was an attempt. All right. Now I am ready to bask in the glow of my song's victory. Because I know it. I, I there's listen. I I don't need to. I don't need to look. I I could literally just check out and, and leave the podcast right now. I know who won. By how much? No jokes about well, it. Yeah, I mean, we always by a lot. By a lot. I am sure that it's got at least at least sixty five, thirty five at least. All right. How about at most? Uh, give me a range at, at, at most. Uh, I don't know if it would go above 70, 30, but we'll see. That's, I mean, it could be 75, 25, I guess, I guess my guess is going to be 70, 30. That's, that's, 70, that's 30. where I'm at. All right. I was, I was trying to get you to see if you would go for like 95, 5%. No, I don't think it's like that. For a total of 442 to 175, 
That's 72 to 28. So even more than you thought wow. it was going to be. Nice. That is Mr. Bl- I'm, I, was, I, I would have predicted 90-10, honestly. Maybe it's a little... I think overexposure brought it down, honestly, because I, I was expecting a bloodbath. And part of me will wonder for the rest of my life if I shouldn't have put Bohemian Rhapsody in there instead. It's going to haunt me we'll on my deathbed. Well, if you go to the Marvel multiverse, you can you can find the one. <laughs> Maybe I should have waited after till Guardians three when Paul McCartney comes back in a big way. Which yeah. I am well I have convinced happened. myself is going to happen. I mean, again, hey, listen, let's 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 just be very clear. I only recommended one other ELO album. I recommended two Paul albums. Yes. And one of them was Ram. The other, the other one was, one was Flaming, Flaming Pie, Pie, which apparently nobody, you know. Anyway, I think those are both pretty good. Take that, uh, but Ram's the one. If you're gonna listen to, if you're gonna listen to two albums that I recommended, it's definitely Time and Ram, both great, highly recommended. Yeah. All right, what are we doing next? Oh wait, are we going on break? Is it break time? Um, yeah, I am exhausted because I work so fucking hard. Like you guys don't even know. So I am going to be taking pretty much most of September off. I'm going to get one more video done, but uh, this, we're going to take a short break, which I haven't done in ever. So the plan is, as far as I know, we will still do a new bonus episode that will still happen. And what we'll do otherwise, unless you've changed your mind about this, is that if you are not currently uh, a patron, we are going to put out some of the behind the paywall episodes to kind of give you a flavor of what that stuff is like yeah we will put up two we'll unlock the vault to give you two of our bonus episodes you'll get those for free to entice you to get into our entire goddamn catalog which is pretty extensive at this point our catalog of bonus episodes yeah i can't wait for people to listen to rockula (laughs) don't do rockula (laughs) but i am going to tell you what uh when we do come back i can tell you what we're going to do if you're still curious I, of course. Uh, we will be doing What's My Age Again versus Pretty Fly for a White Guy. Oh, uh, that's the, the the secret of the poll has been unlocked. No, the poll was something because I was curious. I put up a poll about like what's the best Offspring song or something like that. And the comments I got convinced me that it's time to do this episode, which I've been doing for wanting to do for quite a bit. All right. I'm excited. The pop punk of 1999. Yes. Woot. (laughs) Catch around, everybody. Thank you. And uh, promote us to all your friends. Listen to us. Donate us a dollar on our Patreon. Or just leave us a nice review. And that'll do. That'll show us how much you love us. Mr. Blue, bye. Close enough. Oh, my God. It's a disaster. (laughs) We're getting out of here. (laughs) 